Hey, it's Pastor Ted Fabianic here from Faith Love Church in Melbourne, Australia. Welcome to our podcast. We pray that when you listen to this, you'll be inspired and blessed to reach the best things that God has for you. Thank you, thank you. How's everyone this morning? Good? Amazing, amazing. Just remain standing with me for, um, for a moment as I just get myself gathered together. All right, um, if you could just remain standing, we'll just, uh, just want to continue to honor the word um, for us this morning. Um, you can take your phones out just for, just for this moment. Um, just to write down this passage. But the first thing that we'll be looking at um, is... Let's see if this is working. There it is. Um, in Titus chapter 3, verse 14, it says, Our people must learn to devote themselves to, God, to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. I want to start us off with this passage, because I really want to set the tone with where we're headed into today, or this morning, or whether it be for the rest of your week, or for those watching, whenever that day is. But God has really stirred my spirit for the past couple of months, and it's talking about us being productive. And not just doing something for the sake of doing something, but being intentional with what we're doing. And, you know, what are the things that has been spoken over us for church, uh, for faith life, and for your own lives, is that, you know, when we had Pastor Daniel Bates come down, he was talking about being revival ready. And we cheered, we celebrated, we were, we were excited for, for the season that's coming. But then what? It's kind of left with, now what do we do? We got excited, we celebrated, now what? And then Pastor Ted has been sharing the vision for, for the rest of the year, and one of the things that he said was that we were to be a billboard, to be the, the reflection, to be that mirror reflecting Christ onto the world. So we got what's happening or what's about to happen, then we got instruction with what to do that. And today we're going to go in deeper on that as to what that looks like. So let's just close our eyes, bow our heads, and let's just enter a time of prayer before we head in. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that we are gathered here today, we're here, we are safe, we're healthy, for the most of us anyway, we're healthy, but Lord, I thank you that those that are not feeling too well that are here today, that they had the faith, they had the obedience, they had the stirring to come anyway, to hear your word, to be encountered, and to be ministered, Father, in a personal way. I just pray that as I continue to speak this message, that is not my words that they hear, but it is your words. And the passages that I read that it not be my ideas, but it's your ideas, your inspiration. I just pray that you just break and unlock things in our lives, Father, this morning. I just cast out any stronghold that has been developed over the years of our lives. The things that have been spoken over us or the things spoken to ourselves. I just break those things away right now in preparation for what you're about to do. For what Holy Spirit is about to move in for what your fresh wind is about to blow through. And Heavenly Father, we just dedicate ourselves, we put ourselves on the altar 
today. We put ourselves under the examination board today so that you may uncover things, you will uproot things that no longer should be belonging in our lives. Because Heavenly Father, today, you know as much as I do that this day will be a breakthrough day. And Heavenly Father, we run in, we step in, in boldness for breakthrough. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, church. So let's dive in. So the next passage I want to look at um, is just an excerpt from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, where it says, we are ambassadors for Christ or of Christ. What is an ambassador? Well, there's no such thing as ambassador, there's no embassy in a foreign kingdom. Essentially, that's what's it. And what we live in today, earthly kingdom, this is the foreign kingdom that we are in. And when it says that we are ambassadors of Christ, that means we have this responsibility, we have this anointing, we have this mantle, we have this identity that we step in to this kingdom, to this earthly kingdom, carrying and holding upright the holy anointing that we have from our heavenly kingdom. Does that make sense? That's essentially what it's saying. We are ambassadors of Christ. The next passage, John 18, 36, it says, my kingdom is not of this place. This is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying his kingdom is not of this place. So from this passage, we identify there are two different kingdoms. There's the earthly kingdom and there's the heavenly kingdom. I want to establish this right now just so we're all in the same headspace as to, okay, there are two kingdoms involved and I'm from one kingdom coming into another. Correct? Correct. Amen. So when we read, for example, the Lord's Prayer, one of the first things that Jesus says as an example is what? When he, when he says the prayer, he says, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Right? So what does that mean? It means the kingdom isn't to share. It's not to say that, okay, let's hold hands together and this, your kingdom or my kingdom will become allies, that kind of thing. It's to come, it's to come with intention, it's to come to take over, it's to come to claim territory, right? And that is Father's will. Father's will is to come onto earth, not in a way, in a, in a passive way, but in boldness, in authority, and in, in, with intention to take back ownership. That's what God wants to do when kingdom comes, that is his will. You know, I want to ask you this morning, church, we've read this before, we've heard this before, you know, if this is fresh news to you, if this is fresh information to you, I'm glad we're all up to speed, we're all up, up to speed there, we all understand where we're at. But I want to ask you, and this is something that you need to really ask yourself, one of the many things I'll be asking is, despite knowing this, despite reading this, despite understanding this, why do we still insist on applying ourselves and living in earthly culture? If we know ourselves to be ambassadors of Christ, do we need to know where we stand? We need to know where we come from. Not to be swayed, not to be following the patterns of the world, not to be of the world. Correct? We are in it, but we are not of it. 
the word tells us that we are a holy people. We are chosen that we are a holy people. So when we look at the next passage that I'll have up there on the screen, it says 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 to 10. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who, who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Living godly lives in a pagan society. And sometimes, you know, one of the many problems that we face here is despite our identity, despite what we walk in, this step in, the kind of things that we believe, what we read every morning. You know, some of us may have the YouVersion Bible app with the word of the day, despite you reading that once a day and be feeling like that's enough for you. We deny this. We deny our identity. We deny that we're chosen. And it's not that you didn't know. It's not that you didn't know you were chosen. It's not that you didn't know God had forgiven you. It's not that you didn't know that God had mercy on you. Because all these things coming together, yet we still, we still deny. It's not an issue of negligence or you didn't know, no one told you. But if you deciding not to follow it, if you're deciding not to go forth in it, isn't that in its own way a, a way of denial? True? And if I haven't, if I've really been real this morning, can I, can I get deeper? Can I get deeper? Awesome. Can we be intentional with what we ask from God? Can we actually be intentional? And when I say that, you know, when we pray, when we ask for things, when we ask for blessings, when we ask for provision, when we ask for opportunities, when we ask for promotion, we ask and we pray, when we, we pray, we pray, we pray. But sometimes we don't even get to realize because we're praying so hard that the answer's already there. The blessing is already there. The gift and the promise is already there. But the issue is, is that it just doesn't match up. It, does, it doesn't match up with, with our checklist of this is what it's gonna look like. This is what it's gonna feel like. This is what it's gonna sound like. It's gonna come on this day. It's gonna come in this way. It's gonna come from this person. It's, you've, got, you've got a checklist happening. And essentially when you're doing that, you're boxing God in. And this is bouncing off of what Pastor Victor had said last week. At times our prayer can be so molded into such a small space because we're spending too much time in the tent. We're spending too much time in a confined space and not allowing God to extend the tent, expand the tent, and allow you to step out of that tent to see the stars, to see how his promises far extends the four walls as to where you're at currently. Now, going back to kingdom culture, I need you to understand that it's not, you know, when you accept Christ into your life, it's not a, it's not a passport kind of thing. It's not like you're being baptized, Pastor Ted or whichever church you've been baptized to previously will hand you, okay, here's your kingdom passport. 
or when you read the word, it's not, it's not saying that this, this thing in my hand or the phrase in your, in your hand that you read the word in, it's not a, it's not a passport where you're like, okay, I'm going to check in here one day. I'm going to travel here. I'm in the earthly kingdom, live a little, spend money, do all these things. Okay, I'm done with that. I'm going back here. Okay, kingdom. It's Sunday. The weekend has arrived. I've got to be holy. Then after that, okay, I'm back. I'm back. Weekdays, I'm back. Put this passport away. I'll put it in my back pocket, and I'll come pick it up later. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. And this is, this is what, that's what it looks like when we adopt a culture that shouldn't belong there. Right. So, Kenneth, if you could just pull up the, um, the title for me again. The reason why, you know, when I'm coming up with, okay, what, God, what do you want to call this passage? That's why it's called Culture Shock, right? Because at times, when we travel, when you go to a place, you think, oh, wow, this is completely different to what I'm used to. This is completely different to my everyday life. This is completely different to how they do things, to how I do things. And that's how it should be. It should be different. It should be different between the kingdoms. There should be a distinct difference as to you knowing, okay, here, I'm here now, to I'm here now. Does that make sense? There should be a distinct difference. And the reason why it's also culture shock, the word, the title for this message is culture shock, is because God revealed to me that there's another element, right, of shocking or being shocked. And it's not in a, in a surprised kind of way, but it's in a paralysis kind of way. It's something that will make you stuck, that will freeze you, that will hold you. And what we're doing when we go to other cultures, when we go to the earthly kingdom, or when we apply our own personal or family culture to influence the heavenly kingdom culture, what we're doing there is paralyzing the kingdom culture in our lives. And what does that mean? It is being still. It is being stagnant, unmoving, unproductive. And that's the result of that. I know it's a heavy message today, but I need, I need you to really take this for your own, because we can't step forward as a church until we really deal with this as a church. You can't step forward in your breakthrough unless, until you really deal with this in your personal life. If you want breakthrough in your personal life, you want breakthrough in your home, you need to confront these questions. You need to confront this. And that's why God is so stirred with us this morning. It's like, okay, they really need to get this, because there's a breakthrough here. There's a breakthrough set for them and they just need to step in. They've been asking, they've been praying for it and God is faithful. God is faithful to you wanting to step into that breakthrough. God is faithful for you to see that breakthrough. God is faithful for you to step in and live in that breakthrough life. But we can't step into there. We can't break this wall if we don't even approach this wall. So we need to get, we need to dig deep. So the question I want to ask you 
you know, if we apply this to church now, right, let's get into another level of being real, right, if we apply this to church today, I just want to ask everyone here, who here is new today? Anyone here new today? Put your hands up if you're new, anyone new? Look around. I want you to identify, awesome, welcome, welcome, welcome. I want you to identify, yeah, yeah, give him a clap, give him a clap. I want you to identify that of all of us in the room, there is one new person that came today. I need you to take this in. I'm not saying this to condemn you, I'm not saying this to put you into guilt or shame you or anything like that, but to really raise the awareness for you as like, okay, there's more than 50 of us. Why is there only one new person coming to church today? Just over 50 of us. Why is there only one new person coming to the kingdom this week? Just over 50 of us. And why is there only one breakthrough in the church this week? I really need you to dig deep here, right? And the reality is it's not based on the lack that you have. Sometimes you may feel like, oh, this, I can't invite someone because I'm lacking this, 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 and this, because I can't speak to someone, because I'm not that good with my words. I can't bless someone with generosity because I'm struggling a little in finance. And that's all great, that's all, I understand all that, right? I understand that there are some limitations in our lives. But I encourage you, if you can come here today, if you can show your face here today, if you're here physically, even if you're online, if you have the ability to switch on this YouTube channel and watch this video, you can still be that light still be that influence to bring someone to church, to bring someone to Christ. And it's not about them coming to this church. The bigger picture is we want to bring as many people to Christ as we can. That's the goal. Not as many people as we can to faith life, but I need you to ask yourself, is that what you've been doing? If all, if all of us here in this room had brought one person to Christ in the past week, great, fantastic. Disregard what I've just said, right? But if you, you know for yourself, I don't, I'm not watching every single moment of your life saying, okay, he didn't do that, she didn't do that, what's happening? I've got far better things to do. <laughs> I'm not here to, to judge or condemn anyone for their lack of doing, but... You can see that if, if there's no fruits, then what's the issue? Perhaps the reason why there's new, no new people coming to church and no new people coming to Christ is because maybe we're not representing him well enough. And that's the reality of it. It may be hard to swallow, but that's what it is. Jesus attracted countless people 
numerous people, not purely by the words that he said, but what he carried, what he was doing, what he was involved with. Sure, there's an element of the stuff that he said there that influenced people to change, change their hearts, to influence them, to impact them. Sure, that's, that's all part of it. But what Jesus is, has on his shoulders is the same that what you have on your shoulders. And if you have Christ inside of you, what else, what other reason do we have that we can't unlock the same breakthrough, not only in our lives, but in other people's lives as well? This is a phrase, I don't know if you, you may have heard it before, but for example, for me today, what I'm preaching is, I mean, I'm up here on a platform, on a stage, but I'm here for the next 20, 30 minutes, and that's it. For each and every one of you may think, like, okay, maybe preaching up there is not for me, that kind of thing, that's fine. But it doesn't mean that you're not preaching right now. It doesn't mean that you're giving me a message right now. Because some of us, the great, one of the greatest messages that you can carry isn't what you speak up here, but it's what you do every day. Behind closed doors, the breakthroughs that I don't see, that the people next to you don't see, those are the greatest messages. And I'm sure each and every one of you had your own moment of breakthrough that has changed and shifted your life. And I need you to go back there because at that moment, that was when, that was when you were on fire. That was when you, when you had no excuses to run. You just ran. You just ran with God because you knew this was so much greater than, than the alternative. If I'm going to be bold and upfront with it, we need to stop misrepresenting God. We need to stop that. We need to stop misrepresenting God with our, with our ego, with our selfish desires of reputation, selfish desires of, okay, I need to have everything. I've got I to increase in my finances. I've got to increase in this and that. And we need to stop misrepresenting Christ with that deep desire of just climbing in position. I'm talking about position and finance. Don't you think that God can bless you as the main source instead? For some of us, we've, we're getting it mixed up. We're getting it skewed. Where we've become, we are prioritizing the earthly kingdom and what the earthly kingdom can offer, and we're forgetting about what God can offer. And may I remind you, the very workplace that you're involved in, I want you to do a hard check right now. If that workplace that you're involved in were to fire you right now, if you were to receive a call right now and said, sorry, we're dropping you, would you still be faithful to God? Would your faith still be there? Would your foundation still be there? Would you still be obedient to God? Or would you lose everything and just crumble? And if you feel like you're going to crumble, that's an indicator that your faith is on your workplace and not of what God can provide for you. 
And that's what it is. If you lose your job right now, would you still be faithful to God? Would you still say, okay, God, you're still going to be directing me to a right place at the right time, give me the provision that I need, not only for myself, but for my family, for those around me, for my community? And some of us, you know, if what the earth can give us, if we can visualize it as crumbs, because it's temporary, we are stressing over, we are losing sleep over crumbs when God is able to offer us the full loaf, the full loaf of bread, the full meal, but we're so fixated on the temporary, on the, on the, on the little thing. So what I, want, what I want to ask you this morning is what do you value more? What do we value more? Something temporary or something eternal? And that's what I need you to really write down. Write it down, ask yourself. When you wake up in the morning, God, what am I gonna choose? Do I choose something eternal or temporary for today? I need you to be intentional with that decision, intentional with that choice. Because if you want to see breakthrough, you've got to be intentional with hitting that wall. You can't, you can't break a wall down by, by placing your hand on it gently. You've got to go through it with force. And for some of us, I mean, evident for us that are, that are here today, that it's a different kind of kingdom culture for us. For some others, maybe those watching on the screen, you have sacrificed your Sunday. You sacrificed your day, your moment, your opportunity to encounter God in a personal way, in an intimate way, in, a per- in, in, in person here at church or a church because of work, for you to get ahead in life, for you to get further in life, for you to say, okay, I'm, I'll, you know, God's giving me this job, which he has. God's giving me this job, I'm... I need to make the most, I need, you know, this, this is a blessing, I really need to milk it as much as I can so I can provide for my family, this is it, this is the calling. And then what do we do? Job asks, hey, can you work on a Sunday? Yeah, I work on a Sunday. I'm like, all right, this is for you, God, this is for you, God. And I'm gonna say, it's, it's more than just work, others is study, others it's other commitments, and at times we can even be here physically, but we're not here mentally, we're not here, phys- like we're not here mentally and spiritually. When we're at church, we've got to be here in all of those levels. We need to be present in all of those levels. Or else if we're not, quite literally, we may as well be at home and just put on Spotify, just put a playlist on. And so that's why, for me, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for me to say, I have a conviction to serve Christ, I have a conviction to be a follower of Christ. But then when an opportunity comes up in the flesh for me to turn around, yeah, I'll go for that straight away. How quick, how quick does our mind just change like that? And so some things, some things don't line up, and that's why I wanna just lay this out to you because 
for some of us, this is a real stronghold, right? For you, it may feel like, you know, no, this is a good thing because I'm providing, I'm providing, I'm providing, I'm providing. I'm telling you right now, there's so much more that God can give you. And if you're working on a Sunday, right, I'm not here to condemn you or shame you. I'm not here to bring you down or, or lower you as to the, what the blessing is in your life. That's great. But you need to attend a church service, whether it be on a Saturday, Sunday, or midweek. You need to have an intentional time where you actually step into his presence physically and to serve a church more than just listening to podcasts and sermons on YouTube or on Spotify and all these kind of things. They're great. Listening to those podcasts, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But you need to be serving. You need to be the hands and feet of Christ. You need to be there. You need to be present. You need to be effective. You need to be productive. Go to the next passage, Galatians chapter 3, um, verse 3 to 6. From verse 3, are you so foolish after beginning by, by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so when we step out of church today, Right. At times, our workplace, the community that we head into, or those that we are gathered around, or whether it be family that, um, that we may not know, or yet to know, or that we do know, at times, we are the only light. We are the only, I suppose, experience of church that they have. And that's the reality. The reality is at times when we step into certain places, we're the only thing that is representing Christ. We're the only thing that is representing the church. We are the only light in their life that is shining in that darkness. So we've got to be careful. We've got to be intentional with what kind of light we are producing, what kind of example that we are displaying, what kind of action that we are that we are doing and moving forward in. And so in saying that, if you're the only light, if you're the only example of Christ to unbelievers, or those that are thinking, oh, should I be involved in church? Should I not be? Should I take Christ? In, you know, should I allow him into my life? Should I be baptized? If you're that only example for that person, for those people, and what they see in you is disobedience, and what they see in you is gossiping, what they see in you is abuse and mistreatment of people, they think, okay, wow, okay, this is what a Christian looks like. This is what it looks like. And it's no wonder when, when people see that, even for myself, if I were to see, if I were, if I were, new, if I were a new Christian, or if I wasn't a Christian yet, and I saw that, and I saw that image, and I saw that kind of example in my life, I'm not coming to Christ. I ain't coming to church. If this is what you guys do, if you guys badmouth and gossip about people like this, I'm not going to get involved in that. It's not about kingdom culture now. It's about 
what kind of example, what kind of values, what kind of morals do you have to display these things? Because if that's what you can freely do, and you're not being talked to about it, it's not being brought up for you to be guided, to grow, and to sharpen away from those things, I don't want any of that. Because if you're a new Christian, and, and if the person displaying those things is, is new, or is developing in their, their growth, that kind of thing, great, you develop and you grow that. But externally, you need to shine that light. Right? You can work through things internally. You don't need to abuse someone and then say, sorry, I'm going through, I'm going through that season where I'm just working on abuse. You don't need to do that. You don't need to punch someone in the face and say, sorry, I'm working through violence. You can work through those things internally. You can work through those things spiritually. You don't need to practically apply that issue on someone until you work on it. One of the things that God really wants to lay down for us is that the people outside, outside of these four walls, they need us. They need us right now. Whether it be your friends, your family, people you don't know, the staff here in this building, they need you right now. They need God right now. Amen? I'm sure there's someone, when I'm saying that, there's someone that comes into mind, okay, this person or that person, this family, that family. And for some of us, there's this uh, this saying or there's this belief that we don't miss out, right? If we miss out on something, God will give us the opportunity back. We don't miss out. It's all good. Can I say just how untrue that is? A practical example is if everyone had their eyes shut right now and if I were to do a cool dance move, right, and I say, open your eyes, and I say, did you all see that? And you're like, no, our eyes were shut. You missed out. God's not going to be like, well, you know, I'll, I'll do that. I'll bring you back there. This is actually what he did. You miss out. And so in saying that, what our impact is, what our influence is, is that people are missing out on it today. People are missing out on the thing that you carry the more you hesitate, the more you hold back. I was speaking to one of the youth about this and we're talking about God's timing. You know, when we we read the story or the the life of Esther, there's this passage that says, you were made for such a time as this. And it may have been, you know, we may have heard that numerous times. But if we can really dig deep and apply that in our personal life, and you ask yourself, why am I here? Why am I really existing in this day, month, and year? What am I doing on earth? What am I doing in my room? What am I doing in my car? What am I doing in my workplace? For us today, what am I doing at church? What am I actually doing? And what have I done the past few months? Term one is almost done. And this is what I keep telling my, my youth leaders. This is three months down. We've got nine more to go, and then this year is done. How many more months, how many more days, how many more years 
until you say, okay, yeah, I should probably start doing something for God now. Before you know it, 10 years is down the track and you're still realizing, still thinking, wow, I should probably do something. This is more than just a New Year's declaration or New Year's you know, goal. This is, this is an eternity thing. Right? This isn't just something that you achieve for the temporary, something that you achieve for the year. It's something that you achieve for the kingdom. It's something that you achieve for eternity. Not only for yourself, but for the person you're impacting. Let me put things in reality. Right? One less day or one more day that you hesitate to speak to that person or influence that person, that's one less day that they have to experience God. And that's the reality of it. And if it's strongly in your conviction to be like, okay, God, I love you. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me. Thank you, Lord, for providing for me. Thank you, Lord, for these promises. And you're receiving all this blessing and you're seeing someone that needs it. And all you can do is, all right, God, you got them. Thank you for me. You got them. You'll get them in time. No, no, you're in the same room. You're in the same space for you to be able to step down, stoop down, humble ourselves. Do you see where I'm coming from? Do you see where we're heading into? And someone was saying, but hey, I, can't, I can't speak. Speaking is not my thing. I can't speak. No, I, I, I can't. I freeze up. I stutter. I've got all these things. Let me tell you that insecurity, your personal insecurity, that's also a source of pride. You think, okay, how does that work? If you know that you're insecure about something and you feel that, okay, you're lacking in something, what are you going to do about it? And, so, and this is when our pride steps in because we'd rather stay in discomfort, stay in insecurity than really heading forward to deal with that so that we can actually step through these things and find victory in that area, find victory in people's lives. For some of us, that practical example there where you feel like you can't speak, I want you to really ask for it this morning. There's going to be a time for ministry time later, but I really want you to put that, put that up, put it on the altar. That's the last song we sang. Put it on the altar. What are some things that is holding you back? Put it on the altar. Say, God, remove this from me right now because I want to be productive. I want to be influential. I want to be an ambassador for your kingdom, ambassador for you that actually influences something. I'm not just taking up a seat at church. I'm not just taking, I'm not just another number. I am a child of God. I am your son. I am your daughter. I have anointing. I have influence. I have impact. I have all these spiritual gifts. And so what I want to ask you, church, is what are you doing with it? For those watching, what are you doing with it? And this is the thing, we need to swallow our pride and allow God to change our lives, to change our insecurities. And it's one of the things, you know, we need to change ourselves. If we want, if we want to change the world, if we want to change atmosphere, we've got to change our heart. We've got to change things from the inside first before we can change things from the outside. We'll go to the next passage, Galatians uh, chapter 1, verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Church, we can't use 
the upbringing that we've had or the culture around us to be an excuse. We can't do that anymore. We can't use that as an excuse to live away from the kingdom culture. When we were ambassadors, yes, we, we are in the earth, but I really need you to follow the next phrase, and it says, but not of it. And some of us, we are enjoying the of it bit <laughs> to the point where it's drawing us back away from it, away from the kingdom. So your identity is not your culture, but your culture influences your identity. Now, for each and every one of you, I thank you that you're here. I think it's, it's great to see that each and every one of you are here, making it here despite the resistances, the things that have come against you this week, whether it be finance, health, anything and everything, anything that has come against you. And I thank you for being here, because I see that despite all those things, you'll persevere and push through because you know that God has something far greater than what you are dealing with right now. And God knows that any time that you've lost, God will redeem that. God will redeem any mishaps, any slip-ups, any incorrect decisions, any incorrect thoughts. But I want to identify something to you, church, is that if your week has been quiet, if nothing has happened, that's a bad thing. <laughs> it's a bad thing when your week is quiet, especially when you're an ambassador for God. When you're an ambassador for Christ, if your week is quiet, you really need to check something because that's grounds for something big, something wrong. And the grounds is, is that if you're not influencing, if you're not being influential for the kingdom, expanding his territory, and this is what Pastor said spoke about, that we are to be expanding territory. If we're not expanding territory, then the enemy is just going to be chilling out. You're just going to be looking at you, oh, they're not a threat. I'm going to just focus on this person because they're expanding way faster than I expected. But that person, they're not really doing anything. That's why it's quiet. That's why you're not facing anything, because you're not expanding. You're not pushing. You're not stretching the kingdom. You're not stretching the territory. You're not pushing boundaries for him. It's kind of like you're doing the enemy's work for him, and you've autopiloted yourself into that position. Strategically, the enemy wouldn't bother to slow you down if you're already slowing yourself down. The enemy wouldn't stop you if you're already stopping yourself. The enemy wouldn't distract you if you're already distracting yourself. Like I'm, the enemy would probably be thinking, I'm not going to waste my efforts on that. They're already doing that for me. So in your own way, in your own life, when we're not influential, if we're not pushing boundaries, what kingdom are we serving? What kingdom are we pushing? What kingdom are we thriving in? What kingdom are we blessing from? What kingdom are we receiving from? Go to the next passage, John 15, verse 19. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. We're going to experience problems. We're going to experience hardship. 
being a Christian doesn't mean they just enter a, a sphere of, oh wow, everything is so bliss, everything is so pleasant. Struggles come, sickness comes, issues come. But what does Jesus say? I don't have the passage up there because I need you to really instill this and really search it up for yourself. I need you to dig deep, find it in your own word, find it in your own Bible. I need you to hunger for it. The word says, what does the word say? The word says that Jesus has overcome the world. Look for that passage. Write that, make a note. I need to look for this passage for myself. I need you to hunt for it. I need you to hunger for it. All the stuff that is up there, that's just spoon-fed stuff. I need you to go for it yourself. God, did you really overcome the world? I needed to see this for myself. And he did. He overcame the world. He overcame the issues that you're facing. He overcame the problems that you're yet to face. He overcame with the, with, the, with the lack that you're experiencing. He overcame all of that. So despite the, the struggles, despite the challenges, what do we have on our side? What kingdom do we serve? We serve a kingdom that has already won. But that doesn't mean that we live in complacency. That doesn't mean that we live in contentment as to, okay, well, if it's already won, I don't need to do anything. No, 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 no. You still need to be impactful. You still need to be influential. You still need to pray for your brothers and sisters. You still need to honor your brothers and sisters. You still need to, to bless others, be generous. And I'm, when I'm talking about generosity, it's not just tithe. I need you to look outside, okay, wow. This family is really going through a hard time. Maybe I can bless them in this and this way. Maybe I can buy their groceries for the week. Maybe I can bless them with filling their petrol up for the week. That's basically giving them a huge blessing already with how petrol prices are. Pay for their petrol, full tank, done. Be influential. You have that opportunity. You know, another culture that we need to break, we need to shatter, is the kind of prayers that we have. The kind of prayers that we have, the, the, the things that we're asking from God, right? The, the blessings, I'm talking about blessings and provision. Some of us here is just wanting God, you know, I want this, this, ooh, I see that, I want that. Oh, I see that one, I want that. Oh, that person has that, I want that one. But give me the one with like, that's bigger and that looks better. Even the one that makes, it, makes me look good. You start to, you know, this, your, your prayer life starts to be filled with all these things that you're asking for. You just ask, 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 ask. And I want you to be honest with yourself. Can you imagine being in a relationship with someone that all they do to you is they come to you, hey, can I have this, can I, can I ask this, 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 can I get this, can I get this, can I get this? Can I get this from you, can you get that for me, can you get that for me? And you're trying to speak a word in, trying to bless them, trying to encourage them, we're like, oh, yeah, 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 that's great, but I want this one, I want this one, I want this one. What kind of relationship is that? And one of the things that God asks is, a lot of us ask, for money, a lot of us for provision, but we never ask for wisdom. We never ask for the wisdom to even steward that money. If God was to give you that money right now, what are you gonna do with it? Buy the thing that you wanted from that store, that's it, it's blown. 
It's not that God doesn't care for the little. It's not that he doesn't care that he wants to bless you with those small things or bless you with material things. God loves to do that as well. But if that's all we're doing it for, just those small things, those small material things, God's going to be like, look, they're not really expanding my kingdom with this blessing. So what, what does the kingdom gain and what do they gain? I get them a shirt, get them a pair of shoes, get them jeans. What are they doing with that? And another thing, you know what else is that is the distraction that we get when we focus on the wrong things. For example, when we focus on end time stuff. Right? When we focus on, oh well, you know what this and this said, you know, there's, there's a blood moon happening, it's all gonna just flip, that's it, rapture's happening, it's over. Got five days, max. Oh, this is the year, this is the year that it happens. We don't know the year. The word tells us that no one will know the year. Put all the maths together, put all the visions together, no one will know. No one will have the revelation of when it would be. No one will be blessed to have that revelation because it would just happen. It can happen any minute, any moment. And there's, there's nothing wrong about talking about end times. You know, Paul talks about end times quite a bit in a lot of his, in a lot of his letters. He talks about end times, talks about, you know, you know Jesus is going to come back. But what does he do? He doesn't focus on that in his letters. He mentions it, but he doesn't focus on it. He doesn't invest his life work on it. What did he invest in? He invested in growing the church, growing people, sharpening people, running our race. Another thing is judging other preachers or judging Christians, other Christians. Why? Because someone on YouTube has posted a video as to five pointers as to why this person's a heretic or all that kind of stuff. We need to get our head out of that hole of criticism. We need to get our head out of that hole of judgment and proclaiming negative things and, and stating, oh, this person's all this, 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 and this. Now, I'm not saying, you know, to, to minimize and to disregard heresy. I'm not saying that. We don't, you know, we don't disregard heresy. If we identify heresy, then we stay clear from that. But at the end of the day, that person that is still saying those things is still a child of God. As much as we hate them, as much as we despise them, as much as, as many lies is being said, as many untruthful things are being said, as hard as it is, we still need to love them for who they are. And who they are is they're a child of Christ. They're your brother, they're your sister. And if you get caught up in, in judging someone and casting that hate on them, and you become this online justice warrior of like, okay, you know, stay clear from this, stay clear from this. You know, I'm the only one that will steer you in the right direction of all this, this, and this. Is it really you? Because when you do that, you no longer start to focus on the kingdom. You no longer start to expand the kingdom. You're not doing that anymore. What you're doing is casting doubt, causing hesitation. Sure, Take in what's good, take in the truth, spit out the lie. One of the things is um, 
you know, I know today a lot of the stuff that I've said is very heavy-handed. I want to encourage you, please, to not take offense to anything that I've said. Because some of us, whether you're in this room right now, or whether you're watching online, or whether if you're going to pass this message on to someone, some of us get offended at the truth. And that's one of the things that God wants to identify is that why is it that we get offended at the truth, but we don't get offended when the enemy tells us a lie? Why do we just accept that? Why do we just accept when the enemy says, oh, you're lacking this, and you're like, oh, yeah, I am lacking that. Yeah, you're right. But when God identifies truth to you, God identifies something that needs to shift so you can grow, you're like, okay, God, firstly, you don't know me. You don't know me like that. Or when a preacher comes up like myself and tries to identify these things too, he's like, okay, this guy, he doesn't know me like that. Why is he saying these things? When you know deep inside that that's a truth that needs to shift, why not you redirect that offense from the truth and redirect it to the lie that we so easily receive? You know, be offended. Be offended at what the enemy is trying to do. Be offended that, you, that the enemy thinks, okay, you know, when the enemy speaks a lie to you, be offended and say, okay, firstly, who are you to come into my life to say these things because I know who I am. I know my identity. I know who I belong to. I know which kingdom I'm serving in. I know which God is providing for me. I know that the God is providing for me. So who are you? Who are you to say these things? Get offended at the enemy speaking lies to you, trying to distract you, trying to displace you, rather than someone that's trying to position you for growth. Right? And that's something that we really need to take in. We need, in all of these things, a lot of things, a lot of displacement, a lot of distractions is sourced from pride. And we need to cast that out. We need to cast that away. Take that away. Uh, John 3, or James 3, verse 13, verse 8 to 18, says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic, for we have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, the peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Church, we need to adjust ourselves, yeah? We need to adjust ourselves from temporary thinking to eternal thinking. We need to really expand and think, okay, I'm living for more than just this day, or for more than just this second, right? One of the, one of the passages um, Jesus experienced is after he was baptized, right? And the enemy tried to, uh, to tempt him, really, in, his time of, in Jesus' time of fasting and testing, tried to tempt him, hey, Jesus, you're hungry, you haven't eaten in 40 days. The rock's there, turn it into bread, and you can eat. Great idea, just eat. Problem solved, you're not hungry anymore. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says, what, we can't live on bread alone. 
And at first you think like, oh yeah, that's true, you can't really, that's not really a healthy diet. You can't really live on bread alone. But God's not talking about diet here. God's not talking about your taste buds or what you find delicious or anything like that. God's not, you know, he's not saying, oh no, you can't live on bread alone because sometimes you've got to have some meat, you've got to have some water, you've got to have some milk. He's not talking about a menu, right? When he says we can't live on bread alone, what Jesus is identifying here is, I need you to know that bread is temporary. Bread is something that molds, something that fades, something that doesn't last. Give it a few days, it's done. You go to Coles, buy a loaf of bread, that's expired in five days. You have five days to eat a loaf of bread. And sometimes this is what we do. We sacrifice things, we're going through hardship, and we settle for less. And some of us today, we're not even going through hardship, but because we've gotten so used to settling for less, we just settle for less anyway. And it's why God's saying, you can't live on that. You can't live on the little things. You can't live on the temporary things. You've got to live on the eternal things, the things that last. And some of us even try our best, move, do everything all in our strength just to get the crumbs. But God's saying, you don't need to do all that for so little. I can give you more of that, and all you need to do is step up to me, and I'll bless you with more. And one of the things that in the passage says that Jesus is the living water. Come to me and you'll never be thirsty again. How great is that? You'll never be thirsty again. You'll never run out. You'll continue to be blessed. And it may not be physically at times, but it's something eternal, something that lasts. And I feel that that's far more valuable than something that's temporary. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, says, for we did not receive the spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. You know, I was talking about like, you know, being intentional with our prayers. At times, I want to highlight to you, sometimes we may find ourselves just, you know, doing things first and then saying, okay, God, can you bless this real quick so it's all good? It doesn't doesn't work like that. Because at times when we do that and it doesn't work out, you're like, God, I thought you would bless this. How did you forsake me? Why did you mess me up? I can't believe you set me up for failure. But in reality, you, you, if I'm upfront with it, you did that to yourself. All the things that you're stressing out over, all those things, you're doing that to yourself in some of those areas. Now, I said some. It's not all areas that you're stressing out on is because of, because of you, right? But sometimes when we do things without first seeking God, we find that that's far more stressful than when we first seek God. So I encourage you today, church, why don't you just seek God first and then he will bless that because it's his plan, it's under his blessing, it's under his desire and will for you, it's his promise to you And so you know that if you just say, okay, God, what have you got for me today? Great. I step into that. I receive that. Done. It's blessed. Done. I don't need to stress out over it. Why? Because it's no longer your responsibility, but it's his responsibility. It's God's responsibility to upkeep because he's giving that to you. When we just do things and ask, okay, God, can you bless this? It becomes your responsibility. Why? Because you started that run. You started that race. So that race is on your own. And you just got God on the side cheering from the sidelines. 
But if you ask God first, he's running with you. Let me lead the way to you. Let me be the lamp unto your feet. That's the difference. And like, can I just encourage you that just because you get an idea, you're like, okay, that's a great idea. It must be from God. It's not always God. Every good thought isn't always God, right? And we see that when Jesus was being tempted, him to eat, that's a good idea. But you know that because it's written down, it wasn't coming from God. As a church, we need to be able to discern, okay, is it coming from God? Is it coming from the enemy or coming from myself? We need, we need to develop that discernment. We need to develop that interpretation to know, okay, where's this voice coming from? Who's telling me this? And for some of us, we need, you know, this is, this is developed through reading the word. This is developed through reading this, right? One of, the, one of the big things that I'm asked for, especially working with or serving in, in the ministry of youth and young adults, is some people ask me, how do I hear from God? I don't, I don't know how I hear from him. I don't know his voice and all that kind of thing. One of the things I've got to say is you've got to read this. How, do you, how can you recognize his voice if you don't know what he sounds like? You don't know what the kind of things that he says, the vocabulary that he speaks. If we don't know, we'll just take everything. We'll just take everything by, by first impression because, well, wow, I, didn't, I haven't experienced this kind of voice in my head before. It must be from God. No, God's not the only thing that can speak to us. True? True? At times, there are things that can come into your head that are actually quite negative and that will damage you. And if we don't know where that voice is coming from, you're probably thinking, oh, wow, this is a humbling thing. God is saying these things just so to, you know, you know, to belittle me. No, no, that's not, that's not it. God may humble you, but he won't, he won't belittle you. God may teach you humbleness. God may teach you humility but he won't break you down, won't shatter you. Can I just ask for the, uh, the worship team to come up as I'm, as I'm drawing to a close? So we need to interpret the Bible correctly. Right? We need to learn this. We need to... And for us to interpret the Bible correctly, we need to allow the Word, really, to not only speak into our lives, but to translate things for us, right? God, what did you mean in this passage? What did you mean by your grace is sufficient? You know, we can't look at, we can't search up Google and say, okay, grace, what does grace mean? No, we need to search, okay, great. God, what do you mean by grace? Let me look into your word. Let me look into your Bible. Let me look into the things that you've said to show me what grace means. Show me what, what it means that your grace is sufficient, let me give you an example that is commonly misrepresented or misinterpreted, right? You know the passage where it goes, where two or three are gathered, I'll be there in your midst. And we see that as like, oh, yes, amen. That means that, you know, if there's only two of us, God's here with us, so we can have our own church service, we're all set. That's not what it means. And sometimes we use that passage to be like, okay, I don't need to head to church because God is here with me. 
and there's two, three people in this room, so it kind of looks like we have our own church service. So essentially, for those with the families that have three or four people in their home, you don't need to come to church anymore. And that's what some people believe, so that's what some people think. But the misinterpretation there, and we get that misinterpretation, is because we don't read the rest of the passage. We don't read the whole context of what it's saying. What it's talking about there isn't even talking about how you don't need to go to church. It's talking about how if there is something that has happened, something, a wrongdoing or an error has come upon you, and you need at that time witnesses to account for the truth in your life to keep you free from any condemnation, that's when the, that those witnesses come. That's when it says where two or three are gathered, I will, I will be there in your midst. I will protect you. You see how it's completely different from what that whole thing is. That's the saying that, okay, I'm all set. But you won't, you won't get those revelations if you don't read the Word, if you don't interpret the Bible correctly. And for you to learn to interpret the Bible, as I said, you need to read it. Read, 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 read. So church, as I'm coming to a close, in this world, we are the ambassadors. We are representing Christ in all that we do. Right now, in our seats, we are representing Christ. In praise and worship, we are representing Christ. In our hardships, we are representing Christ. In our great times, in our good times, in the celebrations, we are representing Christ. Each and every one of you, I just want to remind you that you have had your own breakthrough. You've had your own moment where God has revealed himself so powerfully to you. Whether it be saving your life, whether it be healing you, whether it be giving you the provision that you need at the right time, whether it be blessing you and your family and your children, whether it be safety, whether it be safe journeys and all these kind of things, God has blessed you in your own personal and powerful way. And I want to encourage you when we enter praise and worship, when we enter church, when we enter into His presence, we need to hone in on that. We need to hone in on that. How hard would you praise and worship if God, well, if Jesus is right here, standing right here? And some of us, when we enter praise and worship, we hesitate to even clap, raise our hands, sing loudly, or jump up in praise and worship because of what the other people are thinking. And so I want to encourage you, church, as we enter a time of, you know, just an opportunity where I'll be, I'll be praying for you, at the end of the service, but just for now, I want you to really take in, right? Take your time to digest the message. If you need to rewatch it, rewatch it again. That's all good. But I need you to take this personally because, and depending how hungry you are for change, how hungry you are to grow and to sharpen these things, it all comes down to you. God can't make you any more hungry. That comes down to you. God can't give you any more passion that comes down to you. He'll try to inspire you, but it's up to you whether you receive it or not. And so this morning, we'll just, with eyes closed, heads bowed, I want you to just enter in. Go back to that moment. Go back to that moment of, of what God has delivered you from or what God has delivered you through 
or maybe some of us right now you see an obstacle and that's going to be broken this morning offer that up release that from your hand for some of us it's, it's things that that I've mentioned it's things that I've said God sees that and God's not saying it's too late. God's not saying it's too late for that to be forgiven. God's not saying it's too late for my mercies to shine upon you and to bless you and to overflow through you. God's not saying that. God's saying that, you know, these, are, these things are said because these are things that can be changed. And so, Heavenly Father, I just pray that you, that you encounter us personally, Lord, that you bless us as you meet us eye to eye in our moment of intimacy with you right now, Lord. I just break away and I cast away anything that does not belong, Lord. Any wall, any obstacle, any shackle that is keeping us chained and you know, held back from experiencing your love, your mercy, your grace. I just break all those things away in your mighty name. Because Heavenly Father, today we step in. We step into victory in these areas. We step into being intentional ambassadors for Christ. We step into intentional running, we step into intentional praying, we step into intentional blessing, intentionally loving not only ourselves but our neighbours, those around us, within our family. So Heavenly Father, I just pray that you, could, that you continue to stir us, continue to inspire us, Lord, to seek you and you alone. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.